Hi, my name is Nariba Shepard. And I'm Justin Arnett Graham. And this is Terms of Service. New episode. Yes. So exciting. As always. And how are you, though? How am I? Yes. Oh, we're like rolling into it right now. Uh-huh. I'm well. I'm well. Uh, you know, I'm not a big resolutions dude. Mm. Uh, I'm a... You know, let's focus on some changed behaviors. Okay. You know, so I'm like, let's try and make this year better than last. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one foot in front of the other. And I'm uh, I'm happy about it. Are you going to take more nappy naps? Uh, whether I want to or not, because I'm getting older and uh, my body's <laughs> being like, you need to sit your ass down. So whether I listen to it or not, we'll, uh, we'll That's see. what I'm saying. Just, you know. You know I am not a resolution girly because mm-hmm. I can't even <laughs> commit to a single load of laundry. So okay, well, I'm I just mean, you, trying my best. Well, you got to do it. I'm like, whether you fold it, that's on you, but you got to do it. So. Um, I have not one, but two duffel bags of clean laundry that yeah. I have not put away. Okay. Well, you know, we're, we're going to work on that for that's the new I'm year. Saying. I was like, we most certainly going to work, work on that. Or, you know, maybe I just live by myself and I keep everything clean, but my room is like how I have a direct understanding of my mental health. Like if my room is messy, I feel insane. Mm -hmm. Um, But the rest of the apartment is always clean because I have two cats and they just find shit everywhere. And they're like, now it is in the living room. And I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I love them. Yeah. You're going to get them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're animals. I know. I think it's funny to, to look at these animals and be like, you know, if this was a different time, the outside mm-hmm. fucking searching for your goddamn food. Okay. <laughs> so it's just like all this attitude, all this bullshit, unnecessary because you had to hunt for this shit. Listen, I ran so. out of wet food two days ago and I was like, they have dry food. They'll be fine. And then they were like having an attitude with me. I'm like, listen, you can go outside. You don't and pay it out. rent. Exactly. You can go outside. You don't and pay it rent. Out. Exactly. I was just like, let's talk to you about a credit score. Let's talk to you about invoicing. Oh let's talk to you about bills. Okay. <laughs> I was like, because you get none of that. Okay? None. And I feel like I could easily go off on a tangent and, yes. <laughs> in, in that regard. Let's reel again. Yes. Yeah, so, again, yep. new episode, two mm. fresh guests, which I'm very excited about. And this conversation is one that we have always talked about internally, but this is the first time that we are doing it and people are like well Justin what does that mean I'm like well what it means is that terms of service represents a newer element of hospitality media Mm -hmm. and the way that we speak the language of the industry as the way that we came up and our two guests are very much active in in the industry and have had a lot of power and influence, but it has come before us. And I think it's really important to bridge that generational gap and talk about how we can learn from the things of the past. So mm-hmm. therefore we can provide a tangible roadmap for the future. Oh yeah. And on that note, welcome to our guests. Hi all. Yes, please introduce yourselves because I don't want to do it for you because I always feel so awkward introducing other people. That's real. So thank you. I'll start. Yes. Um, Bring my, it on in, Art. My name's Art, Art Mendoza. Um, I've been in the restaurant hospitality business for too long. Probably <laughs> probably close to uh, forty eight years. Wow. I've opened Ed. over a hundred locations throughout the U.S. 
Uh, I've been in Chicago here for 26 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, Where are you originally from, if I may ask? California. Okay. Uh, oh, I knew. Yeah. Uh, born and raised California. Whereabouts? Uh, the Santa Clara area. Okay. Uh, so it's, I'm going to act like I know exactly so where that is. So it's the Silicon Valley, South South San Francisco area. Mm, the um, land of Apple. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before Apple was Apple. It was all Apple and pear orchards. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Never was, knew that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to go out in the creeks and catch frogs and stuff like that way back in the day. I honestly wow. knew that part before it registered Silicon Valley Apple. Mm. I thought of that first before that. And that's to tell you what kind of person I am. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Continue on. But I've been in uh, the Midwest since 1981. Okay. Um, started out in Minnesota. I was a Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater franchisee. Turn up. Oh, oh wow. yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. I was talking about Chuck E. Cheese last week. There you go. Yep, so, it's yeah, still real. Yeah, very it's still, timely. It's, it's, still, it's, it's still there. And, <laughs> and if people were to actually research Chuck E. Cheese's, uh, it was started by a gentleman called uh, Nolan Bushnell. Okay. Now, if you don't anything about Atari, yeah. Nolan, Nolan Bushnell started Atari. What the hell? Oh, I did not know yes. that. <laughs> uh, okay. okay yeah. and, and the original Chuck E. Cheese's was actually called Ricky Rats. And it was I didn't know that. that. Yeah, I knew yeah. that. Yeah. It was it was yep. in San Jose, California, yep. and Ricky Rat used to smoke a cigar and tell dirty jokes. Okay. Right. Right. And people loved it. It was crazy and everything Shout else. Out to Ricky Rat. And so at that point, he wanted to sit there and say, "Hey, we got to bring the kids in." So they softened the rat. Mm. Uh, oh. And that's when it became Chuck E. Cheese's. And just oh, okay. gave us so the I've, creepy I've, rat. I've, <laughs> I've, yeah. yeah. So I've been around since way back then when that started. So I had the franchise rights along with some partners in the five-state region, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, stuff like that. So we built some stores out there and then sold them. Damn. So, and well, then... I would say just on that specifically, uh, Chuck E. Cheese, you scare the hell out of me. Okay, because uh, the, the I don't even know the what animatronic they were animatronic band. But yes, mm-hmm. and when because everything that everything that that is old is is new again. So mm-hmm. the newer generation has discovered Chuck E. Cheese yes. and been like, "What is this?" Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? That was entertainment. Yes. Okay. I was just like, it was. They would like play the banjo. I don't know the names of all the but characters. Like, I can, yeah. But yeah. when, because Chuck E. Cheese is the the main one, right? Yeah, he's the main character. Yeah. yeah. So he like the the mascot, or he would like come out and and go yeah. around. Shout out to my mom because mm-hmm. she loves this story. She's like, yeah, you had a birthday party there, and you like came around and you screamed like I had <laughs> never heard, and you were crying and you hid underneath the table. And I was like, tracks. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like that that tracks for for me. Like, uh, wow. Now during yeah. all those days, if you were an adult, it was Chuck E. Cheese was like the perfect birth control because once you saw all those oh kids God. going yes. nuts, yeah. it's like no, I don't yeah, want anything. Like, no, of it. I don't want yeah. nothing to do with that. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. They made it into a horror movie. Did they really? Okay. They made a horror movie based off of the like idea of Chuck E. Cheese, but all of the um, animatronic characters come to life at night. And like, I guess the plot is like kids sneak in or whatever, and they get murdered by the animatronic. I think no, I, I was just like, yeah. Cool. yeah, I was like, I was like, well, who approved that licensing? That's right. But I'm like, I, well, I'm they don't. It's it. not called Chuck E. Cheese. It's like Freddy's Fun House or something like uh, that. Mm, you know, okay. they gotta like the alliteration has to be there, but not quite. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. But, so, my friend 
hello. Slam Duncan. Yes, let us I know. was just like, we're going to move it right right on over to you because I am not going to introduce you because I'm trying to get better at that. <laughs> so please tell the people who you are. And again, welcome to you both to the TOS fam. Yeah. Oh, this is so cool to be here. My <laughs> name is Felipe Ospina. Yes. Um, I've been in um, hospitality for around 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also open a few restaurants, not as many as art, but probably around 24, 25. Still um, substantial. Yes. 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 <laughs> and, and, and still very involved with, uh, with our industry, with hospitality. Um, you know, always still in touch with art every single week. Um, you know, someone that I admire very much and has been a mentor for me, a, a dear friend. Family is how, you know, like how I, 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 I see him, uh, yeah. him and his family. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. Excited to be here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, before we wander too far down this road, yeah. um, I would like to know, if you have this information ready, um, what is your signs? I'm a Leo. 110%. Okay, yep. <laughs> yep. That is accurate. Yep. I'm a, I'm a Virgo. Mm, okay. The buddy system. Yes. <laughs> Listen. Yes. Very nice. We, um... So Justin and I are both Virgo risings, which like is the energy of having your shit together. You're very put together seeming the presentation of it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of uh, lists and deadlines and like meeting. Yes. Controls. Yes. Controls. I very often joke that it is literally the only thing holding me together because I'm a double fire sign. And I think that Virgo rising is literally holding me down on a day-to-day basis. Um, (laughs) My growth about Leos is astounding. Do you see that? Look at that. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, The confidence of Leos for me is just like the ability to get into a conversation with someone and like be actually paying attention the entire time, but being able to like plug yourself and your worth in a conversation without it feeling like showcasey, right. I don't have that. Right. <laughs> it is an admirable trait. Absolutely. But it's also a lot to deal with, uh, to do with being able to bring people together. Like, I feel like that is big Leo energy. Aries and Sagittarius, the other fire signs, were like, <laughs> we will show up to the party, but we're not necessarily actively trying to bring people together. We are there for it, but you are like, I will organize this. And I'm like, go off. It's not for me. Yeah. Uh, so, so does that track? Uh, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> I mean, I, I sit there and you're right. I'm, <clears throat> I'm very organized and certain things just kind of, they don't set me up, but they kind of get me frustrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're waiting for people um, to, to make sure they follow through mm-hmm. and it, you'll, you'll wait for so long and then it's like, okay. Right. Yes. This is what we have to do. Uh, yeah. 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 That's not afraid uh, to reinforce boundaries when it is time to do it. Right. Yes. 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 That, and on my side, yeah. that's very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I love just taking initiative and yeah. getting people together and just, I, I always need to be creating and, and coming mm-hmm. up with something new all the time so like you're always on the the next thing being in the mix coming up with something new a new event coming up with an idea for 
a new restaurant, a new challenge. I need to be challenged all the time. Mm-hmm. I need to, like this year, I'm running of um, the Berlin Marathon, oh, and yeah. that was something oh, that gosh. I'm like, <laughs> I just signed up for it. Let's oh, go. Gosh. Yeah. So I yeah. usually, I usually just take on projects, and and really, I am not scared of like of taking on anything. Then I'll figure it out. I I will figure this out as I go. I. Mm-hmm. Could never. (laughs) I am just starting to get out of this phase of my life where I used to only do things that I knew I know that I can be good at. Like, I might not be the best at it now, but I know I could get better. If I know I don't have a chance in hell, I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, take a risk. Sorry, Kelly Clarkson. (laughs) I can't. Oh, my God. But like... You you know what some people have to do and you're doing you're doing it. Yeah, I think. But also, can we just like point out how we met at the opening ceremonies for Jean Bonchet? Oh like, yes, this absolutely. Is yeah. So random that yeah. like now you're here and you're doing the thing and I know that's not random. That's how Justin does it networking. It's but for me that circle. was the first time where I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm actively in this and I like this and you should definitely come and talk with us." Mhm. Absolutely. And then set up that I don't discovery like call and all that. Well, I don't like people. Well, you're liking them now. Yes. That's what I'm in. Yes. <laughs> but, but but that's the way things happen. Like is just through through friends. I think that everything that just happens for me It's through friends. It's through, hey, let me introduce you to my friend that does this, this, and this, and this. And mm-hmm. then from there, you start building this 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 new relationship, start to get to know each other. And I'm, I, I want to get to know more about the friend, the, the new friend. I'm like, why... Why are you connected to my other friend that I've known right. for 15 years and I don't know you yet? What, right. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to, yeah. I want to like, I want to do some research. Right. Um, so yeah. you, you, you were it's already also protective. It yes. is. You're, you're yeah. endorsed by a friend that I Leo. love very much. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. When we first met, he was at Mercadito mm-hmm. and um, I used to go visit and I used to just watch, mm-hmm. right? He was the GM <laughs> and He has no fear just walking up to anybody and talking, right? Now, I, I'm not like that, right? Same. I've got to get introduced and, and so forth. Um, but he has no, no fear. And then before you know it, he's talking to everybody. So for the longest time, I used to tell him, he's like the mayor of Chicago. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, knows, he knows friggin' everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, he'll introduce you to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's cool about it is we all have different talents, And different knowledge. And so it's like, you know, this person and he'll start to connect and that network starts to get bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's very good at, at doing that. And he has no fear to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool. He's yeah. giving the L word web, but just without the like relationship aspects. I don't think I know what that means. What? <laughs> I was like, yeah, enlighten us all. I'm sorry, queers, that yeah. Justin has done wait, 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 wait. The oh, L talking? word. Oh, you're talking about the show? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, I get it now. Okay, okay, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I was just like, okay. I was like what word Reel are people talking Okay, got it. Okay. Um, for those yes. of you who do not know, though, there is a whole, like... <laughs> Plot B from the L word where they start connecting like in their friend group, everyone who's slept with everyone. And it just like literally just goes on forever. That's why I said it in the way that I said it. Got it. So it's networking. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. Got it. It's a, like a spider web. A yeah. spider web. A mm-hmm. spider web of networking. Absolutely. Yeah. So I really want to 
kick off this this conversation with with the respective history of your time in in the industry, right? Because the industry has gone through a multitude of changes. I know that people are just like, well, you know, terms of service, are you going to still be talking about uh, the the pandemic? I was like, yes, because that has forever shifted the landscape of, of hospitality. But also right now, as this episode is coming out, we will still be in one of the largest surges of COVID that we've experienced since the first year. Right. So please remember, if you can and if you're willing, mask up in public, go get your um, booster because there was a new one released this fall, past fall, it's 2024. Just be responsible, okay? Right, and also take care of yourself out there. If, I mean, not if, but take care of yourself out there. And so I think a big element of, of this conversation to start is... You know, there's a lot of residual effects for how the industry has been. And since we haven't been progressing in the manner that that we should have in, in some opinions, what are what are your thoughts on how the industry has been since you started to, let's just say, a few years, a few years ago All right, to start with you? Well, I've been in this business for a long time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I know when I first started, I started with corporate, uh, mm-hmm. the Marriott Corporation, the Brinker uh, Inter- uh, International and so forth. And so really, I was in the business of building restaurants. Um, I, <clears throat> and I, I've also seen the other piece, which is the independent. Um, so I've worked for the local company mm-hmm. um, that is big here. Um, mm-hmm. And they are, more, they, they are more in the restaurant business. So I used to always analyzed the two and one was when I was with the, the, the corporate mm-hmm. you're in the business of building restaurants for others because they have you have to satisfy shareholders mm-hmm. uh, whereas the other is you're in the business of restaurants so you're focused really on the people the hospitality and the food right. uh, as well as the cocktails yeah all right um, and so not to say the corporate doesn't focus on that but they water it down Right, because they have to please the masses. Right. Whereas because, when you would you say because it's built to scale? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so at that point, you know, they're booming across the entire country, and then at that point, um, they're just generating sales, 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 mm-hmm. which allows them to build more and more and more because they're on the stock market and they have, a, you know, they're a growth company and they have to grow at a certain pace. Yeah. Independents don't have to do that. And so I know that when I switched over, it was like, okay, this is much cooler, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's not as much stress. There's always stress in the restaurant business, mm-hmm. but you're not, you're not being held accountable to perform, to get this going, because we have to build more restaurants. Independents are like, you know what? I'm managing my checkbook, just like you do at home. Right. Um, and at that point, I can only grow when I have been successful enough to be able to grow the next one. Mm-hmm. And what that next one is... Who knows? Chances are with a, an independent, it's not going to be identical. Yeah. So right. the, the corporate rubber stamps. Independents yeah. don't. Right. Yeah. So they'll create a whole new category or a whole new uh, cuisine or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So that has changed a lot in, in my view mm-hmm. um, when it comes to things like that. So what? Actually, let well, me hold off on that. Go I was going to say yeah. like. And I think that's very true specifically in Chicago because I moved here from the East Coast. And what I noticed 
after my first like two or three years in Chicago is that people here have really boxed out like fast food in a way that you don't see on the East Coast. There are not as many people prefer to go to like neighborhood places mm-hmm. or even something like even if though it's part of a larger group, it has its own identity. Right. And uh, that's something I really appreciated and liked about moving to Chicago because it's easier to get into kitchens here because of that. Right. Right. It's it's interesting because I know that when I was with Brinker, <clears throat> Brinker is a big company uh, throughout the U.S. and they were building at that point chilies. Oh right? my god! Mm-hmm. Um, so and I so, love yeah, the so chilies. That was created here in Chicago by our group. We partnered with. Um, really? With, Chica- wait, with chilies Rich is Mother. from Chicago? No, no. Okay. Chilies is from um, Texas. Oh, okay, but, that um, makes sense. That okay. Southwestern <gasps> egg roll. Oh, right. Oh. Okay. That makes so, <laughs> oh, dang. so we did a lot of things here. Yeah. This was like the test market to run a lot of different things like the Big Mouth Burger, the egg rolls and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. So that was based out, out of my region. Um, and so as, as we used to I do things. So I'm learning <laughs> shit yeah. today. Yeah, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So as we used to do that, we used to work with Riz Melman on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he had all these talented chefs. And so we would create things. And then here in Chicago, we would play with them. We would tweak them. Uh, we would cost them out and everything else, and we would test it here. And if it went well, we'd roll it across the entire U.S. That's real. Quick question in regard to that specifically. Why was Chicago such the test market for these national items? A, a that was not even a question that I was going to ask, but it just popped into my mm-hmm. head right now. I have theories. That's fascinating. A, a couple, I think a couple of reasons. Yeah. A couple of reasons. <laughs> One is, uh, Rich, at that point, was the largest single shareholder because they had just sold Maggiano's and the Corner Bakeries to Brinker. Dang. Okay, right? Right. And, and Rich is a restaurateur. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and they needed help when it came to the culinary piece. Mm. That, that's, that's one. Okay. Um, and two, we're in an urban market. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those larger companies are never in an urban market. They're in suburbs. Yep. And so if you can attack the urban market and, make, and succeed in the urban market, mm-hmm. they have a shot to go to downtown New York and downtown because the LA. demographic is a lot more diversified. I was going to say, yeah, right. because Absolutely. Chicago yeah. is like truly a big little city. where it's not so large that like, because when you try to test things uh, specifically in like New York City and LA and stuff, it's like the clusters of people aren't diverse enough to get a proper testing. But in Chicago, it's so diverse Mm. in like when everyone's like in one situation and it's not so large that like you're skewing who's being able to like access these things. You get more quality control kind of in your testing pro- uh, process. That was my theory. And, and going back to your yeah. earlier point, people like to eat local, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I'm sure when you travel and if you were to go to wherever, pick a, pick a city, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to sit there and say, well, you know, I want to go out to dinner. I, I, let's go find a chili or let's well, go find a TG. Funny thing about that, <laughs> because you will find me at a Chili's in an airport. 110. It's comfortable. Yes, yep. it's you safe. know it. Yes, it's safe. It's safe. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but no, you will not catch me. I will right. say that. though, yeah. I have been wanting to go to Chili's for a hot minute, and during the pandemic, I tried to go to the one in Evanston, and it was closed, and I thought it was closed forever. But someone posted about being there the other night, and I was like, 
it's on. I love a chain restaurant. And I know people are always like, but you were a fine dining chef. It doesn't matter. When you're getting off the train at three o'clock in the morning and 7-Eleven is the only thing that's yeah. open, a taquito in my mind is as close as I'm going to get to a Southwest egg roll. I mean, it's <laughs> at right. three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock okay? in the morning. Yeah. So I need to go. Actually, my sister-in-law, before we went to Puerto Rico um, for her birthday, won a package from Chili's for all of the donations that she's made over the year because my nephew loves Chili's. And I so she won a margarita Chili's. gift kit yeah. and her name is Margarita Beers. They thought it was a joke. Like three people were standing at the front to make sure that her ID said Margarita Beers for the Margarita kit. Yeah. There you go. And then we almost went to a Chili's because it was right next to our hotel in Puerto Rico. Chili's has a very large part of my heart. Yeah, it's (laughs) is what I'm saying. I tell you what, it's it's a great it's a great restaurant. Mm. Um, I started when they used to do everything from scratch. Um, I want to know what that was. It was like 100 stores when I started. And now there's like 1200 stores. Yeah. but we used to make the chilies in 200-pound batches. Um, you know, it used to take hours to cook this chili. We'd smoke the ribs every day. Um, I don't think I've ever French had French fries chilies. were always fresh. Chili. Yeah. Mm, I didn't even no. know chilies made chili oh, yeah. until right now. The, I only get the Southwestern egg rolls. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I know. And the El yeah. Presidente margarita. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so I was just like, yes. So, mm. but, but, but the food is, it started out fantastic. I'm not saying it's not fantastic anymore. As yeah. you grow, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't control the consistency from store to store to store. Yes. So you have to have other big manufacturers do it. And then at that point, what happens is the food, in my mind, mm-hmm. gets bland. Yes. Uh, it's still good, yeah. but wow. it gets bland. Yeah. It's definitely different now. I feel like than when I was going in the '90s. Oh, I, I mean, I could only could only imagine, and also, but I think I, it's the nostalgia that's winning still. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I had like the. I'll never forget. I had like the coolest server at Chili's when I was like nine years old, and I was like. Mom, like, who is this? She's like, I don't know, but I need another glass of wine. I was like, who cares? He's so funny. I was like, he's so funny. Let him sit here and, like, joke around. I was like, this this is amazing. Well, okay. yes, go ahead, Also, people took it as a career back in the day. So yeah. you will find the top best quality servers yeah. at, you know, uh, a Chili's, uh, Hooters, uh, any of these places. You mm-hmm. had... You know, top-notch, um, you know, staff and yeah. very well-trained, and they took a lot of pride on what they were doing at that yeah. time. I feel like I just talked to someone about this, though. Um, I feel like there were a lot more programs that people had to go to to learn how to serve in the 80s and 90s, which I didn't know was a thing. Like, and there's still, like, schools today that do that to a certain extent. Um, my whole thing is that I feel like the methods and techniques that were used gave a sense of um, what is this word that I'm looking for without sounding cunty um, <laughs> customers now have a sense of entitlement based on this, the way that servers were trained originally and that has rolled down generations and generations and now we're at a point where we're like we would like to be treated like human beings in the hospi- in the hospitality industry like if we're being hospitable, I feel like there should be a reciprocation to a certain extent. Like, 
Right, there needs to be an element of grace and empathy. Yeah, and, and also I, that kind of really folds itself into the whole idea. And I, please correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm from here. So if I mess this up, then mad embarrassment on me. But uh, Marshall Fields, you know, the customer's always right. You know, that idea, that idea, it's, I can go on a whole like tangent about it. But well, I, no one I ever finishes like, the whole quote. Oh, that's the only part of the quote I know. Oh, I don't want to misquote it. Continue talking. I yeah. will pull it up. And so to to Nariba's point, I think that it's it's really interesting to look at how Nariba has as you just mentioned that it was a career. It was something that you actually invested your time, energy, and it's something that you saw for the long haul where now some people can treat it as it's a bit transient by comparison. And also the back in the days you didn't have as many options as you have right now. Technology, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. working remotely, like being and, and people are trying to look for those things now more than being stuck in one place in 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 four walls that's 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 usually you know social media is sending a message and there's a there's a perception out there of what it is but it's really it's not and and people are just coming in with a certain expectations for their jobs or when they're going in as a customer as well and it's not meeting their expectations Mm -hmm. um you know there's so many uh places where they can now express themselves Back in the days, there was really not much of that. Right. Yes. So there's different there's different avenues within the hospitality world to where you can actually become hospitality adjacent, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to right. just being the server, the line cook, the chef of X environment. You're still having influence and, and pull within that ecosystem as I f- well. I found it, but yeah. um, sorry, the person who told me that it ended in a specific way is a liar. The full quote <laughs> is: I was like, I don't. Yeah. Rule number one: the customer is always right. Rule number two: if the customer is wrong, please refer to rule number one. Oh yeah, I've heard that part, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't so think someone was like, "Well, the full quote it's misquoted all the time. It's like the customer is always right." Except for when the customer is wrong, then they're wrong. And I'm like, you just lied to me, straight up to my face. (laughs) I was like, because I would have remembered that. I was like, I swear it just defaults to the customers always. I feel like there's a lot of things that I, like, did that was outside of, like, what I think the standard was for, especially fine dining. Like... But my whole thing is, if you go to a restaurant and they do this very specific food and you try to take something apart to make something that you can eat instead of going to a place that can do that, then how does that make us accountable for the expectations that had nothing to do with what we are doing here? And so, like, what my chefs taught me was when you make certain things... When you make a dish, basically do it as a vegetarian option and then add your meat Mm. and make components of it that can be vegan so that if someone is like, I don't eat these things, we still have product to work with in-house already. But also that's a very new age of 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 execution. Well, he was like that borderline came up under like 
a different generation of chefs, but also is trying to do things slightly different. I mean, I learned a lot of bad habits from him, but I think that the same energy with our parents saying they wanted to do it better for us and then we're trying to do it better for our kids, I think that's the same energy that's happening in the food service industry now. I think people are trying to build more avenues for people to come up. I think people want you to be aware a little bit more that a lot of the skills that we learn in the food service industry is transferable outside of it. And we're also like seem we come off as very valuable because we understand how to work very hard and literally everything that we do outside of food service seems to be easier than what we were doing before and i think that has a lot to do with people sort of coming and going i feel like it's a very transient industry mm-hmm. and i think we're seeing a lot more of that now specifically because of the pandemic I th- I think the reason though is job stability. That's why people are coming and going. Especially right. with this new move of how well, pay is shifting. Well, also what becomes really interesting in in regards to that is the ecosystem was different back in the day. Yes. Right? Because the there there was this idea of you could not only support yourself, but you could potentially um, support a family. I, I don't even want to say potentially because there are countless examples of people doing just that, right? And so whether they were working in the kitchen or they were working in the front of house, uh, there seemed to be a... It's not It's not v- validation. It seemed to just be like a, a worth because, because the way that I see it now, people look at certain individuals um, w- within the industry as you know what Noe was was mentioning it's just like a lower skill set or like so on and so forth when I feel like when I was younger it's just like you know there's nothing wrong with being a server right but yeah. maybe it's because I was younger at, at that point and I was like oh oh okay but I mean what are your thoughts on on that because I definitely have a few other things that I wanted to mention but I want to kick it back over to you both well, for, for me, it was, you know, I moved here from Colombia. From mm-hmm. I was born in Bogota, and I moved here in 2003. So for me, any job, my first job, I was just so thankful that I was starting mm-hmm. to make some money. So, yeah. you know, I started, you know, in being a, a bar back in, in a restaurant, and I was just, you know, washing the, the, the glassware and, 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 you know, taking the bus bins to the back and making sure that that bar was... So for me, it was just for me, it was just a blessing. And I was just so happy with my my job. Of course, you know, I wanted to move up the ladder and, and move to, you know, now be a bartender and all that. But um, it's, it's just different, different times, different mm-hmm. times, how yeah. you see it. Um, it's, um, you know, it has evolved to a point where. OK, also, here's another thing. The other thing is that. We did have bosses and we have chefs that mm. they spoke to us in a certain way, yep. you know, 20 something years ago. And we were OK with that. We mm-hmm. were just, you know, we knew we made a mistake. We just turn around and just never make that mistake again. And it was OK, even if they threw a plate uh, yeah. at us or anything that you know, was the like expectation this. expectation and standard. It was a standard is like today you just is those behaviors are not welcome whatsoever. No. And, and, and the other thing that I like to add is that I think that just for ownership to run a restaurant nowadays 
is way more stressful than when it was back in the days. There was more flexibility for them to run it. Today, there's like everyone is trying to take, you know, dollars out of of all this business in so many different ways. So, you know, the culture is very important in a restaurant. So. That culture comes from the top. If the right. top is very stressed because of all the moving parts, then it's going to trickle, trickle down. And, you know, when, when you have an owner and someone that invested all this money and is trying to, you know, like be successful with their business and, and they can't, then, you know, it's going to reflect on the staff and they're going to probably get a little bit of that stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to say that, for example... Art and his son, Tyler, you know, they, they, they have their own company. One thing that I've noticed about them that even like nowadays is that none of their staff leaves them. Mm-hmm. Even during the worst time, they stay with them. And I can tell you that is because of the, the harmony and how they handle internal problems. They just keep them in their office They treat their staff with such a love and respect. And the culture, it's unbelievable. It's like I, I, I work with every single operator and restaurant in the city and I mm-hmm. get to see it. Uh, there are also many others that do it very well. Mm-hmm. But I have a mirror next to me. Yeah. And I, that's one thing that I've <laughs> yeah. seen is like no one leaves. They're like some of the some of his staff, they open Untitled with us because that was one of the oh restaurants I opened with Art mm-hmm. yeah. um, back in 2012, and they keep following him and and Tyler. Yeah. Oh, it, I didn't realize that they opened in 2012. Yeah, I stage. We talked about that Talk. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my first stage when I moved to Chicago was at Untitled, and they forgot that I was a stage. <laughs> and at like eight <laughs> hours into peeling artichokes, I had to be like, um, is someone gonna? That was Chef Joe. That was Joe. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Joe, Joe had no idea yeah. she was there. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Yeah. But uh, no, it's just like that's what I'm saying. Like the web is the web is always overlapping yeah. with anyone that you sort of like talk to in Chicago who is part of the industry in some context. But the ability to keep people working for you is something that I've seen very rarely in the industry. Like there are right. certain people who have stuck alongside their chefs or their GMs, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing. And that's like, I think those are the people that you kind of want to sit down and talk to and like see what they're doing. It's sort of like when you are working on a new recipe and you don't know what's going on. So you like watch three different YouTube videos after you read three different recipes (laughs) and then you like overlap everything and you're like, okay, this seems to be the commonality. Like, I think it's like that. I think we need to start talking to these people who have a very good sense of keeping a staff, one, happy and fulfilled And also seeing what they're doing and how we can, like, replicate that. Instead of chilies, can you do that for, like, just hospitality for the restaurant, not for the customers? The answer is yes. And here (laughs) I want want Art to share what he did during the pandemic with his team and his staff, because this is a really cool story. 
Or now the when, spotlight is yeah, back right. on no you. Yes, 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 no pressure. No pressure. pressure. Yes. <laughs> well, what, when this thing started happening, I think we all knew something was going to happen. So mm. the, the government was going to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we were anticipating it. So we, we thought like everybody else, okay, they're probably going to shut us down and try to get everything situated. It's going to take two, three weeks. Yes. Right. right? We, yeah. all, we all thought that. Yeah. Um, and so what we did was we had a, kind of an all company meeting. At that point, we had four locations. And we basically sat there and said, hey, you know what? You guys have been hearing this in the news and everything else. Here's what we're going to do. All right. We're anticipating it happening. We're going to end up closing. Don't know how for long, how long, but it'll probably be two, three weeks that we thought. <clears throat> so we said, okay, everyone's having the the rush to go buy toilet paper and everything else because you couldn't buy anything, right? Yeah. Um, and so what we did was we hooked up with our, our mainline supplier and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. So don't get freaked out about this stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to sit there and buy um, basic food and cleaning supplies and toilet paper and stuff like that. The stuff that everybody was rushing and mm-hmm. there was nothing on the shelves. We're going to buy that for you. We're going to box it up. And every Wednesday you mm-hmm. come, we supplied for two people, mm-hmm. right? So you'd come in on Wednesday and we'd give you your box. Yeah. And then yeah. you come in every Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we thought we were going to be doing that for two, three weeks. Well, three weeks turns yeah. into 10 weeks. 10 right. weeks turns into 15 weeks. Right. Um, but we were like clockwork and yeah. we, we continued to do it. Um, and if there was jobs to do, even though we weren't open, um, we would have people come in and, and do th- stuff like and that. And rotate through. So, yeah. so we let them know what was going to happen in our minds. Here's what we're going to do for you. And if there's anything you need, you, all you can do is ask us, right? Yeah. We're going to guide you the best way we know how, right? A lot of times people are saying unemployment, I can get more here, right? Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. So we would guide you the best way we knew how. Uh, and at the same time, um, we said, if there's any work, we'll call you so that we can continue to, to, to do things. Mm-hmm. So that's when everybody pivots, right? right? So we buy, I think we're probably one of the one restaurants that we buy a lot of whiskey barrels from the from the distillers. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we do barrel share and bottle share and stuff like that. So all this whiskey stuff because the state allowed us to sell it, mm-hmm. right? We sat there and we created, um, my son created a, um, the bottle shop on our webpage, oh, right? And yeah. so we were selling um, our whiskey because you can't get anywhere else because yeah. we own all the bottles and it was yeah. all foolproof, right. right? And so he created the bottle shop and people were buying just like a liquor store mm-hmm. and they would pay with their credit card in advance mm-hmm. and they would come and pick up on Wednesdays because we yep. were already there giving food to the, our staff. Damn. Right. Yeah. Um, and so at that point it started to generate its own sales. Mm-hmm. And so it kept everybody from slightly toasted working. Yes. So I'm so glad that you had mentioned where, where that is because I just fired it up on, on my phone <laughs> and it just connected to me. I love Tyler Mendoza. I know exactly who he is. And I was like, slightly toasted? Is this what we're talking about? Oh, my God. Hi, Tyler. Uh, It's been a while since we've seen one another, but holy shit. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm his dad. Yeah, I see that. Uh, I'm speechless. Okay, go on, please. I'm like, what? So the three of us work together. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> we'll talk about this more on the like, L word, word web. Yes, I was like, this is amazing. Okay, so Please continue. <laughs> so we did the bottle shop, which everybody for slightly yeah. continued to thrive. Right at Little Toasted, which is four blocks away, mm-hmm. you're in a, a building, and some people were still coming to the building. But what we did was we we, we sat and we had I think a, a three people, and we would open just for the building, and they maybe had 200, 300 people a day. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're making money. All I wanted to do is break In even. In the yeah. Chase building? Um, it's not the Chase building. It's right on 300 side, South Riverside. It's right across from the BMO. Okay, yeah, yeah. The Chase Bank was in the corner there. Okay, yes. got it. Right, but oh, yeah. it wasn't the Chase building. Okay, because we did a... Hi, <laughs> We We did a, uh, a promo shoot for a chef that we were working with out of that kitchen and on the riverside was like where we had set up for the video promo. It is all coming back to me right now. And I was like, holy shit. This was a while ago though. Because it was most certainly pre-pandemic. Well, yeah, I'm just sitting here in awe, but I'm going to look at my notes in a moment. But yeah, this is amazing. So we did that with Little (laughs) and then for both Asadito and uh, uh, Walkenbau, we basically third partied it. And okay. so we kept the kitchen crew, minimal staff, mm-hmm. and we'd went third party. Mm-hmm. And then we also hooked up with the uh, World Central Kitchen, with Jose yeah. Andres. Um, everybody was delivering to all the, the hospitals, the police stations, the fire mm-hmm. stations, and everything else. Um, and so they came to us, and we have a big kitchen on the second floor. And so we can push out a thousand meals easily yeah. in a day. Yeah. Uh, so they gave us parameters and we sat there and said, yeah, we'd love to participate. Um, it's, it's helping people that don't have. Yes. Um, and not a lot of people were delivering to the South side. Yep. All right. Yeah. All the big restaurants, everybody else were, Oh, they wanted to be in the, the news in the city, and yeah. they were doing the hospitals and they're, you know, mm-hmm. so they were getting all the publicity mm-hmm. and here we were, we were doing probably a thousand meals a day. All our wow. meals went to the South Side. Hell yes. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so we Amazing. So yeah. we were delivering uh, probably five different locations. Uh, and the, the reason why we participated in that, we didn't make any money off of it, but we made enough to pay all the back of the house staff. Oh, yes. Right. And we, it gave them something to do every day. Yeah. And that's um, like a big thing, especially with people feeling like cabin fevery in their own apartments yeah. on a day to day basis, right. like well, having the ability. Uh, and it's also very, uh, we have, have seen this just from an industry perspective, um, you know, the, the lack of the lack of discipline and routine during during the shutdown, mm-hmm. you know, Drug abuse most certainly was was on the rise. Alcohol abuse was was on the rise because time didn't exist. Nope. You know, right. anything the, was anything. Yeah, and for the idea of two weeks, you know, just like oh, yeah, like you know, I, I, I'm chilling for yeah. two weeks, three the weeks, first break five for a weeks, long time, yeah. seven weeks, twelve weeks, a yo. year. <laughs> like, That's right. You know, it's just like the walls start getting, you know, a lot tighter around you and you're just it's trying to figure out what, what to do. yellow wallpaper. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a uh, short story about a woman who goes insane in a room with yellow wallpaper and she be, becomes part of the, the wallpaper in the end. It's something Not you would familiar. read in high yeah. school slash yeah. college. I'm so sorry. I'm a little geeky. Yeah, no. But <laughs> I was right. also going to say, like, this is also tying back to the roots of uh, social work, which was always 
rooted in feeding people. And what people fail to understand is that the hospitality industry is the original form of social work. Like people bringing people together and giving them what they have and helping them like just eat some food and have a place to sit down for a while. And I think specifically in this time period, we get to see the like charitable side of hospitality a lot more. And it's 50 50. It's 50 percent of the time. It's people trying to um, get out there and have people see what they're doing. And it's not always done with the best intentions. And then the other half of that is really coming from a place of we are in this together and it's deep rooted. We have to like hold ourselves up in this service industry because we're in it together. Right. I mean, it's it's literally the definition of camaraderie, which is already in prime example within a four walled ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. I always look at the restaurant business and I tell all the staff when when we start to interview and hire and so forth, what we do is easy Mm -hmm. when you Mm -hmm. think about it. Mm -hmm. We welcome people into our house. We feed them a great meal Mm -hmm. and we thank them for coming. Mm -hmm. Easy is hard. Yes. It it, it, it it is. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know what? It needs to be, it's, it's something that it has to be natural. It, it has to be something that it really comes from the heart, mm-hmm. that you are selfless and you really enjoy giving back and seeing that smile or that, that you're creating that experience for the guests. And it also applies to what was happening during those times where you did see the true selfless hospitality individuals of our industry come up and raise to the highest. And you were surprised that some of them were the little ones. There were some of the big ones. There was mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. And and I can tell you that I was extremely involved during that process and everything because of just my personality. Yeah. And you know what? Some, some others were just... You could see that you, they were just doing it because they felt that they had to because of the image part. Oh, yeah. Right. And there were others that they were yeah. truly yeah. just doing it yeah. and Some, giving back. And, yeah. and, and it was just like really, those were really beautiful and, and, and fantastic moments that I have, you know, and, 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 and that I experienced um, with many individuals here in the city and a lot of people step up to help. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can tell you about. You know, one moment, which it was when I started working at, at Cisco, which is I moved now to be in the in the sales part and I sell all the food to all the restaurants in the city. You know, one of my my vice president of sales calls me and he says, Felipe, we have all of this food and we need to find a home. Otherwise, I'm going to have to throw this away. And yeah. I said, can you help me find a home? And I said, Give me one second. Let me make some phone calls. So I called Chef Carlos Gaitan. I called some of the other, you know, chefs and friends. And I said, Carlos, can I use Zuko, his restaurant, to be mm-hmm. a drop-off location? Yep. And within just one day, we put together this whole operation. And more and more chefs and communities start to say, I'm in, I'm in. All of us were wearing a mask. We just don't know what's happening. And a whole full semi truck shows up with fresh food. And then the line starts to, you know, go around the block. It went all around the block and it just got back to sit to 
to Suko to the other mm. side of the block where now there were two lines. We empty that semi truck. My, my VP calls me again and he says, can you take another truck? I'm like, yeah, yep. yeah. come on, let's let's go. Yep. And it was such an amazing moment. And like that one, there were many, 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 many more. Yeah. You know, working with art and, you know, World Central Kitchen. Um, there was there was a lady with World Central Kitchen that calls me and said, I need to find people that could help me and have flexibility. Boom. You know, art and some others that were just fantastic. And, 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 and it was just one after the other, one after the other non-stop of really amazing moments that mm. that happened during those times it seems like the hospitality industry only because it's that's the industry right mm-hmm. uh, they it seems to me that they're usually the first ones to step up oh yeah yeah 110 um, mm-hmm. and they're probably the the one industry that really can't afford to step up that's the <laughs> that thing part, yes <laughs> but, yeah absolutely but mm-hmm. I, I, I do down. going going back to like the staff and stuff like that our staff is our family all right, you take care of family. Yeah. Now, sometimes you have, you know, drunken, drunken Uncle Joe, whatever it might be. Right. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have somebody, but you you hired them for a reason. There was some good in that person that you hired, mm-hmm. right? And so at that point, it's like, okay, all right, we're going to sit there and take care of everybody. And I think just in general, that's what the hot people in the hospitality business so, do. So I have a quick question, and in, in regards to that specifically, so now. And <clears throat> in, in this new new age of, of hospitality, the idea of family at a place of employment is very different. So I'm I'm really interested to hear both both of your thoughts on how the I, idea of camaraderie and the commitment of community within within the organization also has select boundaries and restrictions. Because the idea of like everyone is a family, it has been used negatively in regards to, you know, the newer element of of hospitality, the newer labor force. It's seen more as a tool of sort of like manipulating people into doing more than they necessarily should be doing. And I think that there are some instances where you truly do feel like it is a family and you're being supported and like that but in general especially a lot of the places that I work when I heard the word family I think about um the fact that I was sort of like as soon as I got an opportunity to move up and I was going to leave that job I became shunned everyone like started treating me differently and the expectations change it's like I think a lot of it especially in fine dining did that and so now for me it's always a a flag goes up when someone I'm going into for an interview and I'm listening to them talk about how we're a family and a community I'm like okay like what does that mean to you because mental health is such a large component now especially when it comes to the food service industry that people are setting boundaries in places where boundaries don't exist for the hospitality industry, but it's common practice in any other workplace. So I'll I'll go on this one because Mm -hmm. I do get to work with almost every single restaurant group, Mm -hmm. big, medium, small, Mm -hmm. and I get to see the culture and I get to see the environment. What I can tell you is that 
you cannot fake that, or you can fake it at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then within very short period of time, the staff will pick up and know that the whole family thing was BS. Yes, right. But also, you can pick up on the ones that are really from the heart and being genuine mm-hmm. and that do care for you. Mm-hmm. And it all starts from an interview process, a welcoming process, a training program, the dedication that they put back into it, mm-hmm. how they communicate. Do they really take the time to mentor you know, their staff? Yep. And then that's what really builds and creates that family and that respect. Yeah. And like, you know, Art just said, it's when we hire them is because we saw something mm-hmm. and there might be one that is little, little, <laughs> the, little crazy. Is drunk, drunk Joe that our yeah. uncle drunk Joe, you know, uncle but we you. still mm-hmm. find a way to work with Joe because we love Joe and yeah. Joe is, you know, he has so many great things that when he's on, he's the best or mm-hmm. one of the best and the most hospitable and the fastest right. and this and that. Right. So, uh, yeah, for me, that's what I see. It yeah. said, People are not dumb. They do pick up on which one is no, you know, real and which one is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and I always look at um, what do they want to do long term, right? Mm, it's like you yeah. sit there, you sit there on a an, on an interview, point. and believe me, I've, I've worked for corporate and everything else, and there's all these structures, questions, mm-hmm. and everything else. Um, and I was the kind of guy that sit there and say, "What do you What do you like to do?" What's your hobbies? Yeah. And somebody, because sometimes you can't get people to talk. No. Right? And so right. you're just saying, okay. And they might say, well, fishing. So what is it about fishing? And so I'll ask questions about fishing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fisherman. I know how to fish. Mm-hmm. Right? But I don't, they'll, so you got to lug so, up on me. So they'll yeah. be talking about something. And as they talk, you see how excited they get. Yeah. So, so I'm talking about something that just sparked that individual. Right? Now, it has nothing to do with the interview. But it shows me the passion they have when it comes to fishing. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, at that point, you start to ask different questions. And if that, that passion starts to come out in how they're talking to you, right, regardless of their experience and everything else, mm-hmm. right, if I can get that passion and they're willing to help me, let's let them, right. yeah. then you know what? I, I, I can grab them all day long, mm-hmm. right? And so long as I'm kind of cultivating that on a regular basis, then they're just happy. They're happy yep. because, number one, someone is listening to them. Some of them's kind of guiding them. Um, and in that instance, when people do leave, for mm-hmm. me, you can probably ask anybody that's ever worked for me. Mm-hmm. They'd sit there and say, yeah, when I told him, he was asking me questions as, you know, is this... Because I... I get to know everybody and mm-hmm. I, I know what their likes and their dislikes are and they'll sit there and say, yeah, I want to be a multi-unit manager. But you know what? You're really good at training. So yeah, you could be a multi-unit manager, but you're not very good. You're good at doing it yourself, yes. but you're not good at directing others to do it. And that's delegation. Right? Yes. So, so yep. you're going to have a hard, uh, a hard time and it's going to take you a long time and you may fail because you've never done that before. Right. But you're training people like crazy. So you're teaching them. You know, mm-hmm. you should be going in that, that direction. You'd succeed in that, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think there's a lot of people who will sit there and say, you know what? Yeah, you could do that, but you'd be much better at this. Exactly. Right? So there's a bit of mentorship and guidance there as, yeah. as well. So, I mean, for navigation, mm-hmm. I mean, because a lot of people are just like, well, this is what I'm going to do but then you know not feeling empowered enough 
to actually have those real conversations, like what it's going to take to actually fulfill a role such as such as X, X, Y, and Z. I mean, that was like sort of the sit down discussion with one of my old chefs because he knew that I wanted to be a sous chef. And he was like, Reba, I would make you a sous chef tomorrow, except you don't know how to ask for help. Mm. And that is a thing that you're going to have to be able to do when you are a sous chef right. because you cannot do it all on your own. And I like when he said that at first I was full of rage. <laughs> but then I like was like okay, this is something that I have to work on and over the next 6 months I, he like saw me being better at like communicating with others also like being the only like black woman and queer in a kitchen with all white dudes is hard. But he saw me, like, making the effort to do the thing. And then I was able to become a sous chef, like, in the next year. But I think a good leader is not afraid to give you feedback that will help you grow. I think a bad leader is someone who's afraid that you will grow and take his position. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's interesting when I always used to look at chefs, right? If I needed to hire a chef for a restaurant, um, I would reach out to sous chefs. Right, because when you think about any restaurant in, mm-hmm. in this entire city, all right, um, I, can, I can tell you the chefs that I know that are the ones that do it and they do it every day and they're in the trenches with their staff. Yep. And I can tell you that most of them aren't like that. Yeah. Right. They rely on the sous chef. Hundred. And that, that sous chef is the one that actually executes. And on a consistent basis, the food in that restaurant every day. Yeah. Um, and so I would much rather have an interview of sous chef and say, I can pay you this because a chef's going to ask for a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. I can pay a sous chef and say, OK, here's your here's your your track introduction. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to mm-hmm. start out with this. And I usually paid them more than they wanted. Yeah. But but I gave them the opportunity to, right. to, to make more. Yeah, there's yes. a trajectory um, there. And it's and it's like I, now I'm a chef now. Because you think about any restaurant, if you wanted to be a sous chef, your ultimate goal was to be a chef. I mean, yeah. So I had a 10-year plan to become a chef. It happened in eight years, and I felt like I wasn't necessarily ready. But I think that's also because I have hella imposter syndrome, one. And two, I want to make sure that I know every aspect of a kitchen before I'm in charge of someone. And I think that when I became an executive chef, I felt so overwhelmed because it was the first time I was in charge of everything. And I did it really well, but I thought that I was messing up all the time. And I was actually going to transition back to a sous chef position so I could learn more from someone else and, like, you know, make sure that the next time this happens, I'm ready for it. Then COVID happened. And I was like, I'm never going back to a kitchen ever again. <laughs> You're like, this is my escape. Yeah. Well, it was an accident because after the first 65 days of doing nothing, I felt like a rabid animal. I was just like <laughs> setting up my kitchen every day like I was at work and I'd play like Brad Leone in the like fucking background, just like talking shit in kitchens. And I'm like making soup freezing quarts of soup and just like walking around my neighborhood and dropping it off for my friends because I'm like this is all I know how to do (laughs) and then I realized I was like I feel like working in kitchens specifically for fine dining was like like 
being in a fraternity. I didn't realize I was being hazed the entire time until I sat still for like 65 days. Yeah. But well, I do love the food service industry. It has a chokehold on me. I'm clearly bartending now. And like, but what, what's interesting, yeah. and you, you mentioned it earlier when you asked about, you know, how people feel about, you know, being a server or a cook or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take a look at everybody that's working in the hospitality business, I, I can't tell you how many people that I've worked with in the past, they have degrees for something else. Oh, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. They're teachers Human that, that aren't making enough studies. money. And yeah. so they're making more money in the General restaurant industry. industry. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's supplemental. And, and so, you know, when people think it's the service industry, well, you know what? The service industry keeps everything afloat. Oh, 110. Um, yes. And, yes. you know, so I, I always look at that and say, well, you know, when someone kind of talks down um, about service, I always sit there and say, you, you don't understand. Um, these people make when I was in the 70s, I, in the 70s, I was, I was going to college for architecture. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an architect. What school? Um, um, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I wanted to do, all right? Because I thought this was fun. I was doing it through high school. And, but I was always in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. And I was always making good money back in the 70s, mm-hmm. all right? Um, and so then I talked to my professor, and I started asking him questions. And he was a somewhat successful architect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you don't want to ask, but you ask, well, well you know, what do you make per year? Yeah. Right. Uh, and what was interesting at the time is I was working for the Merritt Corporation in the theme park division. Um, oh, the theme park division was Great America. Yeah. The first Great America was built in Santa Clara, California. The second one was here in Gurney. Huh. Uh, <laughs> We're uh, learning so much today. My first so. job that I applied to was Six Flags Great America. They never called me, but I'm fine now. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. thank you so much. Shout out to them. So, yes. <laughs> Go on. And so I, w- I was a salaried person at Great America. Mm-hmm. And so when he told me what he was making per year, I'm like, hell, I'm only 19 years old and I'm making as much as you right now. What? See? <laughs> See, die is your problem now. It made me mad. And so so then at that point, I'm like, well, geez, you know, maybe I should really move in this direction because I'm succeeding at this. Mm -hmm. Not to say I wasn't succeeding at architecture, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to be an architect, you got to get your degree. You got to go through. You got to get licensed. And, you know, then you got to sit there and build your business. It takes a while. My sister went to school for architecture at Wentworth University and then became a plumber. She's a journeyman union plumber making hella money. Oh, yeah. They make great money. Yeah. 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 And now she's running all of the stuff for New Jersey Board of Education, um, uh, uh, Cook County in New Jersey. She does all of the plumbing for the schools there. She like. So. so, Yeah. Yeah. No. Who knew? One of my closest friends, he's a plumber. He makes he makes great money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also for me, when I moved here back from Colombia in 2003, I moved here through political asylum and I'm just discovering this country. And uh, as as an asylum seeker, they give you the option to go to school and go to college. Then, um, you know, I start asking questions. was like, you know, how much people are making those different careers. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm already working in a restaurant. And within some time, I did get a job in South Beach, in Nikki Beach, uh, which is this place where in one night, you will make $1,000. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you, you ask anybody who makes $1,000 in a day or just the entire year how much I was making. No, no. Like people with careers, people like with That's really great jobs. Yeah. And that's where I said, you know what? 
I hospitality is definitely for me, not only because of the money, because I really enjoy it. I mean, your whole personality is set up yeah. for hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and then from there, it's like I wanted to learn more. And then I decided to move to New York and, and just, you know, start my career yeah. in New York, which is, you know, one of yeah. those hubs for hospitality, mm -hmm. restaurants and everything that's, that's going on there. But yeah, we make. When, when I started bartending way back when, uh, we're not going to talk audacity. about the year. I mean, the audacity of you saying that is wild. For me, <laughs> it was way back when for me. That's going to say. Yes. <laughs> the audacity. It's all good. It's all good. So, and this was in Columbus, Ohio at a terrible, terrible Mexican restaurant. Uh, it was created by a white couple in Minnesota. I don't know, nor do I care what? what they are doing now because I was just like, this is the most inauthentic <laughs> bullshit uh, that I've ever been a part of, but I needed a job. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to be out here serving 32 different flavored margaritas with a you chip and salsa bar. should have been working at Chili's. Uh, <laughs> it was not within walking distance from my apartment Fair outside enough. of the... Um, outside of the uh, campus of the Ohio State University. And... What's so interesting about that is when I started bartending, again, I was living in Columbus, Ohio. I was like, did I just figure out the key to fucking adulting here? Because <laughs> the amount of money that I was walking away with, and that place was Mid. fine, <laughs> fine, fine at maximum, you know, um, Every shift that I worked, I'm always on the back line talking to talking to my friends that made me what they would be eating for comida. Because I was like, I don't. Yeah. Like, they're like, no, 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 get back. And I was like, I want some spice. So like, oh, can you handle? I was like, yes, I can handle this. I was like, I'm Jamaican. Give me this shit. Okay. <laughs> and it was it was such a great introduction for me, not only monetarily, but to also see the people that really made it run yes. and really made it work. Not the people that were looking at it from a bird's eye view, yeah. making sure that they're making X amount of money from it. It's like these people actually have talent that they can't actually showcase throughout this concept. Mm -hmm. They just have to push out whatever sort of, you know, menu items you, you would like. But it was for such a, job, a great... Yeah. It was such a great learning, learning example um, for for me. But also, I do want to shift this a little bit because one thing that I definitely want to talk about is bad behavior in in the industry and generational influence on on that. Because a lot of a lot of chefs would be like, you know. This isn't a direct quote, but it's like, I'm an asshole because who I was working underneath was also an asshole. And it's like, this is the way that it is. This is the brigade system. If you don't like this, then get the hell out of my kitchen or like get the hell out of my restaurant. So I think that a lot of listeners are going to be really interested to hear like how how that has been and if there has been any experiences with that and what you commit to kind of help mitigate that if you do experience it within your organizations or people that you work with? It's, um, you're right, it's changed considerably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They talked about throwing plates and stuff like that, and it used to be like that. Yeah. I've only seen it happen once, and it wasn't a plate, it was a spoon. And we all, like, saw it happen. It was like a glitch in the Matrix. We were like, did that just happen? Yeah. And then none of us spoke about it. 
because of the fear. Right. But, you know, nowadays it's a legitimist uh, world now. Everyone wants to sue. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And growing up in this business, working for corporate and everything else, um, you go through all this training and so forth. And first it was the worst, uh, the hostile work environment, then it was sexual harassment. You have all these things that are happening around you. So if you're running the business or own the business, you have to look at all these things on a regular basis. Right. Uh, And then what happens today with everything else going on is you have to sit there and communicate to everybody saying, you know what, what you thought was just a joke. You mm-hmm. can't say because you don't know who's around. Yes. Right. right? And you might offend somebody. Mm-hmm. All right. So you can sit there and say, you know, I, I know what we do is we'll sit there and let them know that here's what's acceptable and here's what's not acceptable. Right. If you have something to say, all right, and you're going to joke with your buddy, then you need to go some, somewhere else mm-hmm. because it doesn't happen here. Yes. All right. Because mm-hmm. we don't want to offend anybody, whether it be a guest, um, a coworker, or mm-hmm. any, anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's difficult because you can't be everywhere all the time. Right. Um, but I think if you set those standards and that expectation, and uh, you're going to get people that are just, you know, I'm not going to follow your rule. And those are the people you sit there and you reel in and say, hey, we talked about it once. Mm-hmm. We're going to document it. Right. All right. Um, and, and Philippe will tell you that I've, I've let go a lot of people in my, my lifetime. And most people aren't surprised I let them go. They knew it was coming because mm-hmm. I've had conversations prior to. And I always tell them, here's the consequence. Yes. There's always yeah. a consequence. Yeah. So you presented them with the road to redemption, if you will, to be like, hey, that you can fix this. Yes. But then if you decide not to. These are the is, consequences yeah. for your actions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I experience with art for the first time in my career, a staff member giving him a hug and saying thank you the moment he let him go right in front of me. It was something that I've never (laughs) seen before. Because, no, 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 truly. I'm I'm like, I was like, how did he pull this together? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Because of how he did it and, Mm -hmm. and, and the steps that went behind that. And he was actually guiding this person in life. Because he was at the wrong place. He was not at a place where he was happy. And Art was able to to read this because of how involved and how much interaction he has with the staff. You just need, as he said, as a family, you just need to connect with them and you need to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Know a little bit about their family, their personal life, how they live, like what motivates them and all of these things. And it was, it was my, I, I remember this, it was Roca Court 2011 in the back alley. Remember that? <laughs> it was like one of my, it was one of my managers that I was a GM. He hired this, this, this manager. And this is a super high end, like, 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 you know, very demanding restaurant. And, and, and he just couldn't, it was just not for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and many things were just, he was just not motivated. It was, he was not happy. He was not in a happy place. It wasn't for him. It was no. not for him. It was not for him. But the way that he did it, it was like, what? How? I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you got to cut bait, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, reference. <laughs> well, it's, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like, see, you good, you uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell that to my managers all the time. It's like the, the, the some of the staff will take advantage, um, and it, it's it's yeah. like, okay, you know what? Here's how you need to better handle this, right? You're letting them poke you, mm-hmm. right? 
you should be poking them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they're just going to argue with me and everything. Who's in charge? You're in charge, right? So if you want them to do things you want them to do, you need to set the expectation. And if they poke you, then it's like, hey, you got one of two decisions, all right? You're either going to correct what's happening or do me a favor, punch out. I don't need you. I'll, I'll get somebody else that wants to do this because mm-hmm. um, there's plenty of people but that want to do this. But not in a way that's like you are completely 110% replaceable. It's more in a you can do this. You're choosing not to do this. Yes. I will say that after, like during the pandemic, after I had left my executive chef position, I had a couple of line cooks reach out to me and say it was the first time that I worked for a chef who actually listened to me and Like one of the first things I said was, if you are mentally unwell and you cannot come into work, do not take advantage of this, but let me know and take a day to yourself. Because there were so many times where I felt like I was coming to work fully sick, like a hundred degree because they make you feel like you can't not be there. Mm -hmm. But I would have some days where I was so emotionally, mentally and physically burnt out that I just couldn't leave my apartment because I'm working damn near 80 hours a week, somehow only working five days. And it's like, I did not want to do what I felt like chefs had done to me with my staff. I also gave them the opportunity to like develop their own dish ideas, which is something that they didn't really have like a lot of experience with and the way that I looked at it it was like I want to train you I hired people that wanted my job I wanted to train people who can take my job because that's how I felt like my chef taught me did he say and do a lot of unfortunate things all the time yes he did but I tried to take the good from what I saw in that situation and correct the bad habits that I know that I got from him moving forward. And I had a lot of my like line cooks reach out to me and be like, thank you so much. It was so good working for you. And I think it's because I treated them like family without ever calling us a family. Mm -hmm. And I think that that helped them feel like it was a safe space because I wasn't yelling at them I did the mom thing where I'm like I'm disappointed mm-hmm. in your actions which is manipulative a little <laughs> bit but it's like how I think a lot of people that work in kitchens need structure and they have either mommy or daddy issues because I do um, mm-hmm. but I think you catch more bees with honey than vinegar and yeah. That is something that has not always been the tact in the food service industry, back of house and front of house. I will say the first time I got a front of house paycheck, I was livid because I was making I made more money in my first week working front of house than my paycheck when I was an executive chef. And that made me angry. Yeah. But yeah. And that happens, I think, in in our industry yeah. as a whole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, the expectation, I think, is that you're going to work a t- ton of hours, too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know that goes back to the quality of life. I think your sous chefs are the people that you you were training. Mm-hmm. Um, as as they were getting better and better, it made your life easier and easier. When it well, came to I that. didn't really have a sous chef the entire time I was executive chefing because they all came in with an an idea of what they thought it would be like, but I ended up being basically the executive chef and the sous chef the entire time. I was working 105 hours a week. That's crazy. I was burnt out. And the owners wouldn't close down for like one day and or service, like for just like taking out brunch, even though we weren't making money. So I was working two clopins between Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was the worst time of my life. (laughs) You know what? And and it all starts like how when you're creating the restaurant and you're putting together your financials, um, you know, the person who really taught me financials was was art. You're putting together those performers. You have to think about a place that it's not going to be operating 24-7. Those environments are not healthy. Yeah. Um, I think restaurants that, that close uh, on specific days or have like two days that they're completely closed and everyone, the staff, they get to rest. Mm-hmm. They perform at a higher level. Yes. They're more profitable. You don't have you don't you don't have staff leaving because they have quality of life. Mm-hmm. And, 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 it, and it starts right there. It starts right there. The ownership that thinks that because they're opening 24 seven, they're going to make more money. No, they're completely wrong. And that right. is going to probably fail. Yep. Yeah. You know, and nowadays with COVID, I mean, it's it's a different world. Uh, it's the the week really is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Friday is not what it used to be. Absolutely. Now, if you're if you're in River sure North, not. if you're in River North or you're in certain areas, then yeah, the weekend with the, with the tourists and so forth, yeah, you'll do fine. Mm-hmm. All right. But a lot of the suburb places and so forth, you're going to sit there unless they've really got a a following, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of places to do. Um, they're probably struggling. All right. Um, you know. So I know that. All our all our restaurants are in the loop, mm-hmm. and there's nothing happening in the loop. I mean, it's slowly coming back. I think yeah. we're we're maybe at fifty five percent now. I think um, next year, like New Year's, will be the first year that might be a real feeling like New Year's again in the city. Yes, I oh, damn right. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> oh, Marcus. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I know. that's how yep. I feel mm-hmm. because yep. people are starting yeah. to like go back outside again. <laughs> and I've, I've worked every weekend most of my life. And then mm-hmm. when we started this new company, because we're in the loop, right? And I used to run all the corner bakeries uh, in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, I would love not, a throwback corner bakery moment because <laughs> I used to hit. But yeah, go uh, on. <laughs> but being in the urban environment, you learn a lot of different things. You learn how far people walk. Mm-hmm. Right, because they only have a certain length of time because they're in a skyscraper, and so they got to get an ele- elevator. So we used to do pin dot studies and everything else. So it's really interesting when you look at the the whole engineering of what people do mm-hmm. in the urban market. Um, so when we opened our, our first restaurants, because we're in the loop, it's like you know what? There's really no reason for us to be on the open on the weekend, right? So every one of our restaurants is only Monday through Friday. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, we open for coffee at some of the restaurants. So that, some of those are like slightly when we opened up, we were open seven until two. Okay. So it's a long, so yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but some of the other restaurants were only open from 11 o'clock until eight, eight thirty. Um, okay. but we always figured that, you know what? Yes, we can make more money if we open on the weekend, 
But then if I open on the weekend as, as, as an owner, mm-hmm. now I have to hire another set of managers. Mm-hmm. All right. The, the ships are longer. Right. Now I have to worry about a lot of overtime. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to look at those things. And is it worth it? All right. Is it worth it to, to, to open those two extra days for a little bit of money? Yep. I always sit there and say, you know what? If I ever get to that point where I think I need it, then maybe I'll try it. Because I do think that a few of the restaurants, we would kill it for, for, for uh, breakfast and lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Everyone's five days a week. They got a good quality of life. It's okay. Yeah. I think uh, right now what my job is doing, because it's so slow, is um, we're rotating a cut per week for one person. So you don't get the whole, like just one day. There's usually four bartenders and we're rotating on Tuesdays who takes the cut. So everyone gets like an extra Tuesday off or an extra Thursday off so that people have the opportunity to make more money. And that doesn't always work for everyone. But for us, it does because we're such a when we're busy, we're like balls to the wall busy. And I think that we are surviving in the bubble of Rogers Park because of that reason, because there is like the neighborhood who gathered round. I don't even drink gin but during the pandemic. Once every two weeks, I would buy their gin and tonica kits to go because I'm like, I want this place to stay open. And now I'm working there. They got me. Dang. <laughs> but like, I think it's like making those decisions that don't always necessarily profit for the business keeps your employees happy. Right. And the fact that you were like, if I do this on the weekend, I have to hire more staff to do it. Wild. People, some people would never. But but that's the thing about someone that truly understand every aspect of the actual business of Mm -hmm. the restaurant, the financials, the Mm -hmm. impact. Many people do not understand that part. And that's where they make the mistakes. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and I've always said it, you know, art is one of the most knowledgeable guys in our industry, period. It's Mm -hmm. like, he understands it so well because he has worked in so many different types of companies that he gets those things and that's what one of the some of the reasons that it makes it successful and they have that culture yeah uh, and by the way tyler was just texting me uh yeah yeah he What's was up, tyler he, 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 he was, yeah yeah well he was calling his dad and i saw i saw the yeah, phone yeah. and i'm yeah. like what's up like i have art here uh he, he's yeah. in a podcast he's like what what yeah. what are you guys doing yeah. Do you tell him it was have, Justin? Have, 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 have we haven't seen each other in a, in a minute, but I'll message him and be yeah. like, yo, I was with your dad earlier. Hello. <laughs> uh, so we are coming up on, on, on time. Mm-hmm. And so I just have a final, final question to kind of tie, tie this all um, t- together. I'd like to hear from you both of any sort of advice for people that are getting into the industry based off of your experience and how they can have a sustainable and fulfilling career in hospitality if they so choose. I would say don't be afraid to reach out and talk to people. Um, I can't tell you how many people that I help. Somebody has come to me, um, 
and say they're going to build a restaurant, whatever it might be, they'll, they'll ask me questions and I'll give them the information. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm one of those guys that I'm going to, I'm going to help you as much as you want me to help you, probably mm-hmm. too much and not mm-hmm. ask for a penny. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <clears throat> And there are people <laughs> that I've done that for, and they, they go on and open a great restaurant and everything else. But I think a lot of times people, are, they, they don't know if they can actually ask that, that yeah. chef, how did right. you get to this? You know, right. what, what are the pluses? What are the minuses? Um, and then things of that sort. I, people are just f- afraid to ask questions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, to me, that's the easiest thing that you can do. Right. What's the worst that they're going to say? I don't have time right now, right? Well, right. then you don't have time right now. That's fine. But can I schedule something on your schedule mm-hmm. so that I can sit down and maybe have a half hour? Because I've got a, a series of questions. Um, most people won't do that. But mm-hmm. they, if, if it's something that they're really interested in, they can learn from just different people, whether it be a server, from a, a cook, mm-hmm. um, a dishwasher. I learned so much from the dishwasher. Dishwashers, um, listen, that's a I mean, whole thing yeah. that we yep. talk about all the time. They're the ones. Yeah. They are. <laughs> yeah. They they know mm-hmm. exactly what's selling in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. So uh. um, I, I would say reach out and don't be afraid to talk to people. Oh my God. And, and and I would say yeah that that's that's a big part. But how. Do we gain their trust? Um, you know, it's 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 by building a community. It's by having a lot of allies within our industry. Is by that word amount is said. Just call Felipe. Just trust me. Just call Felipe. He will give you the answers. He will connect you with everyone. And I come from the same school of art and art. Being you know, you know, someone that I've learned from so much. I want to help them. I want them to be successful i want them to have a restaurant that is structured properly so it is successful so they can have the right culture so they can have the right environment so they can have a proper marketing strategy to launch and and hopefully start making money right at the beginning but yes they have to ask the questions and that goes for whoever is building the restaurant and also i'll go also let's say that someone wants to start working in a restaurant and they're just this is the first job like where where do i suggest that they go ask your friends ask okay which one is your favorite restaurant where which one is the the third place and there's a book that always art mentioned about that third place mm-hmm. that is normally is a restaurant or a little coffee shop but they treat you like it's home mm-hmm. just go there yeah because yeah. most likely That's going to be the place where they're going to treat you with love, respect, because that's what they're putting out there to the to, to, to the world. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's 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 about that. It's asking questions and making sure that, you know, you, you talk to people. Don't go just out there and apply for a job online because probably you, you're going to land in the wrong place. You're going to have a bad experience mm-hmm. uh, in, on your first job in hospitality and you're going to hate it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So so hospitality could be amazing. It, it truly changed my life. I, I, I give back to hospitality as much as possible nowadays because mm-hmm. it really has been very rewarding. Of course, a lot of like hiccups and a lot of bad experiences as well, but a lot of amazing ones like him right here next to me, like mm-hmm. someone that is family for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that would be my, my advice. Yeah. yeah, I look at it and say, I, <clears throat> I'm sorry. No, um, go for it. What I love about this business, and I've been doing it most of my life, And everybody has asked me, you know, when are you going to retire? We're going to retire. I, I don't think I can People ever People in this industry don't retire like right. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what I love about what I do is I meet new people 
every hour of every day. True. And that Beautiful. is cool. Yeah. I w- like before we I was like, wrap it up, wrap yeah. it up, wrap it up. <laughs> I was like, I will perfect. say on the dishwasher front, one of my favorite dishwashers I've ever worked with. His name is Vlad. And I started making a porcini pasta dish on the menu. It's like a caviar sauce. Very, very fancy. The owners wanted something that was like, Mer. and he used to have just the pasta, not all the fixins all the time, but almost every day as his shift meal. And when I took it off the menu, he did not eat any staff meals for like six weeks. I ran into him randomly on Father's Day last year. And he is now making pasta at Gemma Foods. That's great. <laughs> can, can I have one more thing about dishwashers? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love them. And, and, and another thing, if anyone needs a dishwasher in this city, say. they call me. Yes. Because I mm-hmm. have access yes. to unlimited amount of, mm-hmm. of staff and people within the city. Mm-hmm. And you can ask John Mannion, you can ask Oliver at Obelix, mm-hmm. you can ask them at Le Bouchon, mm-hmm. you can ask uh, um, uh, many of the chefs and I do take the time to speak with this dishwashers to understand them right. and they're come referred by other dishwashers and other people that I know. So it's already I kind of already did that first interview for them yeah, and they're really good. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go. I was going to say also before we leave, you could also put it out there for people who are listening who need people to come work for them with what you're doing with the people who are being shipped here? Or do you want to talk about that? Or yeah, no? I can definitely do that. It's something that is very close to me because yeah. I came here through political asylum and I love to give back. And, you know, a lot of the people are not, you know, this is not the ideal environment and how things are being handled. But we, we can do something about it. And what we can do here is create... Uh, Come on, like some type of sustainable environment where we allow them all they want. They want to come to this country. They want to make some money, make a living, be able to rent a little room to be with their family, not be w- inside a shelter that was built for 1,500 people and has 3,000 people. And yeah. they're just, you know, everyone is getting sick and all of this thing. They're, they're hungry. They're good people. There's a lot of everything. And I can tell you that within 100, pe- 100 people outside of this building right now, there are three or four or bad ones. Five, five bad ones and it happens in any society Mm -hmm. the ones that i talk to it comes referred by other people they're sweet they're nice they have their family they have uh you know dreams and so far everyone that i've been able to find a job for when i because i do do a follow-up too i call the chef and i said hey john uh, or oliver how are they doing and they're like oh my god they're amazing they're so sweet they're hard workers and then some of them already moving to do prep yeah. We know that that's you start as a dishwasher and from there and you can build if you're up. hungry you then right. you then you start chopping onions and then yeah. they're going to give you something else to do and then eventually you become a line cook and then eventually you know you become this you know a sous chef or you're taking orders or you're you just become that person. We know that that it, it's doable. So yeah. yes, I'm very involved. It's not going to stop. Um, there's a coat drive that I started uh, and it was a beautiful campaign and I'm going to start it again 
So that's something that I'm putting out there to the world. It's going to start again because it's cold, because they're sending more people here every single day. They don't mm-hmm. even know where they're landing. They're dropping them off in the suburbs. Yeah. These poor people are, it's, it's not okay. So yeah. us as the hospitality industry, as a community that we are, we come together and we find ways to help and give back. So that's coming. It's, I'm never going to stop doing this. Yeah. And just how can people reach out to you? They can reach out best thing and easy for everyone. We're all connected through Instagram, uh, Felipe Ospina or at El Senor Hospitality. That's great. Or even my website, FelipeOspina.com. I'm there. Um, just yes. Or, you know, through this, this podcast, yeah. they can ask, how can I get yeah. a hold of Felipe? And we can uh, connect you. Yeah. 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 Um, and yes, we, we, we need to help them. We need to, because I've seen a lot of successful. Oh, I am producing, um, a documentary about this. This is something that I just, I've never done this in is my it? life, oh but my as, gosh. as you know, I just jump in and start doing projects. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm, I'm putting together a documentary. Uh, I'm, the, I'm one of the producers with another friend of mine that uh, she was the one who helped me put together the whole campaign for the winter drive um, that we did uh, back in uh, October 27. And it's going to be about putting out a message and the success stories and the positives of all of this thing that is happening. Because what we see in the media is mostly a lot of negatives and it is reality too, but I also want to share positive things. And there might be a few other things that we were going to expose about the things that are not being handled correctly because mm-hmm. that also needs to be shown but it's mostly about stories success stories of people that came here with absolutely nothing and now they're in a better spot because of our community and us mm-hmm. giving them a hand hospitality baby inside absolutely. and out showcasing hospitality so before i do the things that we know to do yep how was your time with us my friends this was a pleasure. Yay! Um, Thank you. Too often when you go and you talk with folks and so forth, um, <clears throat> what I get tired of is they're always talking to big companies. Um, and there's so many of us little guys. Yes! Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I look at, even though I have a lot of knowledge and stuff like that, I like to be kind of behind the scenes mm-hmm. and I like to push other people up. Um, <clears throat> but for me, this is a lot of fun because it's a lot of great questions. Um, and I, I think it's it'll show people that you know this is what hospitality should be um and it's not a corporate or a big whatever yeah yeah damn right thank you thank you i i i I love this this is is just like you know i i can keep going here for more hours i guess that is why we have these things to help us stay on track because we'll talk forever no 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 I can keep going. And, mm-hmm. and, and same thing. For, it's I really like the, 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 the structure and the format of this because there are a lot of amazing stories within our industry that is not the celebrity chef, that is not, you know, the, 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 the massive restaurant groups. Mm-hmm. There are so many. And, and, and I'm glad that you're doing that. Please, please, like, you know, put them out there to the world so they can share their stories. So so people see that is it's there's more to it. Yes. One hundred and ten. Well, thank you. Well, thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> um, I'm out here like, so- yeah, 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 yeah. It's us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you from the both of us. Yes. yes. Um, so. Naturally, in closing, just have to give a supreme thank you to our partners at 
Blind Barber Chicago for hosting these necessary conversations. Also, thank you so very much to Athletic Brewing for supporting the delicious IPA that we have been enjoying, the Run Wild, which is non-alcoholic. And you can hear us pop in the hands. Very tasty. Yes. I, it's very yeah. good. Oh, it's yeah. really good. I'm impressed for that your this dry has, January. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm in dry, dry January, January and, it, and it really tastes like an IPA. Yeah. I was like, yeah. they yeah. they they nail yeah. it. Yeah. And so. I just really want to thank you both again because it this is so important because we at Terms of Service have not really dove in deep in regards to kind of that generational impact of of the industry and that has been a big part of what people have been really interested in in learning about because they're like how can we combat bad behavior with our new thought process and mm-hmm. I think you both really really painted like a beautiful roadmap of what what it has been versus how it can be and what it will look like moving forward. Yep. So cool. so on that note, I am Just Narnat Graham and you can find me on Instagram at this is Biko. And my name is Nariba Shepherd. You can find me at Rebaru R-E-B-A-R-U on the gram and we will chat at you soon. Later. Bye. All right. Yeah. Ooh.